You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Hold tightly to what? To what you have until I come. What do you have? You've got salvation through the blood of the Lamb. You've got the Holy Spirit living in your heart. You've got the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. You've got the Word of God, the Holy Bible in your hands. You've got a church full of people that love Jesus. You've got the blessing of God, the calling of God, the sanctification of God, the justification of God. When you accepted Jesus into your life, did you realize the deepness of His promises? Did you know that He's always had a divine purpose for your life? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you must never forget God's beautiful plans. No matter how sure you may be of what you're supposed to do, it'll never trump what he has in store. Remain vigilant to God's still small voice and be restored. You have a wonderful body of believers waiting and ready to love you. Never forget that you are supported. Well, Let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, as he continues his message, Thyatira, the Loose Church. Now, we have no reason to believe anything other than this was a, an actual person. Some people say, well, she just symbolizes a cult or something that was worming its way into this church. But that's not what the language suggests. The language suggests this was a woman, a real flesh and blood woman. And by calling her Jezebel, I don't think her real name was Jezebel. I think Jesus was alluding to the Old Testament Jezebel, wicked King Ahab's wife. And he called her Jezebel to, to let us know what she stood for, what spirit she was walking in. All right? Well, who was the Old Testament Jezebel? Well, that Jezebel had defiled Israel. She was the wife. She was the queen of Israel. She was... King Ahab's wicked queen wife. And man, she was a trip, this Jezebel. She had, she had led Israel into national worship of Baal. Baal is, is, it required the sacrifice of children. It, required, it, it led into sexual sin. It was filthy. It was vile. God was 110% against it. God raised up Elijah to destroy it in Israel. And, and, when, and he mostly did it. But what remained, God raised up Jehu to, to finish the job. Baalism was so vile, so wicked, so evil. And yet this wicked queen Jezebel uh, loved Baal, loved Baalism, and instituted Baalism in the whole nation of Israel. And if you went against her, she killed you. She was immoral. She was promiscuous. Queen Jezebel. Even when Jehu is coming to get her and she's up in a tower, it says she painted her eyes and painted her lips to try to appear seductive to him, to seduce him away from killing her. She was fleshly. She was carnal. She was no doubt attractive. And she knew it and she played it. She had also murdered hundreds of God's prophets. You remember the little guy Obadiah, who was a servant of King Ahab, but was a man of God, had hidden away hundreds of God's prophets so that Jezebel could not get them and kill them. She was wicked. She was evil. This woman was 
a case study in sociopathy. Sociopath. No conscience, no love, no natural affection. She just wanted power for herself. The Bible reveals several things about the nature of Jezebel. Let's remember, Jesus called this woman in the book of Revelation Jezebel, so he's hearkening back to this Old Testament woman. She was proud. She walked in arrogance. She exuded arrogance. She assumed authority God had not given to her. That's Jezebel. She claimed Superior holiness. I, I've got an inside track on true spirituality and it's Baal and I'm going to lead the whole nation into it because I'm right about this. And I don't want Israel's God. I don't want Jehovah. I want Baal. So she claimed superior holiness. She walked as if she was a holy woman. And she despised authority, but guess what? Mainly male authority. She despised male authority. Jezebel was also highly gifted. She was a gifted woman and very persuasive. She knew how to use words and use her position to get what she wanted. She was manipulative to the hilt. When her mind was made up to do evil, she was resolute. Nothing stopped this woman when she decided to do a wrong thing. She was rebellious. She was ambitious. This is a big thing with Jezebel. She was ambitious in obtaining and upholding her own power. She wanted power and she was ambitious in getting it and maintaining it and sustaining it. She wanted power that God never called her to have, but she took it until God brought her down. Now, a lot of people talk about the spirit of Jezebel. I'm not saying there's a demon called Jezebel, but when you say the spirit of Jezebel, you're talking about somebody who carries the characteristics and ways of this woman. And this spirit of Jezebel, to me, seems to be different from other spirits that are more fleshly appetite driven. The Jezebel spirit tends to exercise the most cunning and the most diplomacy. She's subtle, she's crafty, she flies under the radar. She's very, very uh, artistic in, in manipulating and getting what she wants, and she gets it before you even know she was after it. In other words, she's good at what she does. It's diabolical in how she secretly tries to rip apart relationships and churches from the inside out. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel's motto is divide and conquer. I will divide people. I will split people apart. I will sow discord with nobody realizing I'm doing it because I divide and then I conquer. I don't know how she got into this teaching position in Thyatira, but I'll guarantee you she manipulated her way there. Y'all with me? This spirit of Jezebel shows traits of hatred, seduction, calculation, and, and manipulation. And when Jezebel doesn't get what she wants, look out. Because she will lash out. One day she came home and poor little husband Ahab. Ahab, listen, he was submitted to Jezebel. She ruled the roost and she came home and he's pouting. He's always pouting. He's a big baby, King Ahab, big baby. Boo hoo hoo. She said, what's the matter? He said, well, there's a vineyard over there that I want. His name is Naboth. The owner is named Naboth. And I asked him to sell it to me and he won't sell it to me. 
And she said, she said, what are you talking about? What we want, we get. You hang on, I'll get you that vineyard. And she hired some liars to go and tell a lie about Naboth. And he was stoned to death. And she took that vineyard and gave it to her husband. Like I said, when Jezebel doesn't get what she wants, she lashes out, either covertly or overtly. She'll either do it in front of people or under the radar, but she will lash out if she doesn't get what she wants. She doesn't know the, the meaning of giving her case to God and, and submitting to God and letting him give her what he wants her to have. Now, let me just bring this to us today. The spirit of Jezebel, if you read church history, has again and again wrought havoc in the churches of God throughout the ages. The spirit of Jezebel, because it's alive and well. What Jezebel in the Old Testament walked in uh, is, is everywhere today. It can be found uh, at work on a large scale in today's church world. Spirit of Jezebel. You say, well, how so, Jeff? Where? Tell me where. I'm glad you asked. Well, remember, wh what did she teach? She was a teacher that persuaded genuine Christians, blood-bought, born-again, spirit-indwelt Christians that sexual immorality and mixing other gods with Christianity was acceptable. She's in the church in Thyatira teaching this stuff. I don't know how many were in her class, but she's teaching it. This is what she's teaching. Thus says the Lord, I'm a prophetess. This is what God says. Her message then and now is that a Christian can live in sexual sin just like the world, and God's good with that. And, and as we look around us today, we witness whole denominations caving in to a spirit of Jezebel. Whole denominations. Some of them have placed their seal of approval on homosexuality and same-sex marriage. They have okayed it, seal of approval, even celebrate it. Say, so, well, there you go, off on homosexuality. Let me tell you something. Can you imagine having a adultery pride month? How about a fornication pride month? Are you proud of your fornication? Let's celebrate. How about pedophilia month? Oh, oh. then why do we celebrate a sexual sin for a whole month? I think next year we'll do an adultery pride month. Yeah. We'll have, you know, balloons and we'll give away things in the foyer. No, 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 no. See, homosexuality is just one of many sexual sins the Bible condemns. I'm not picking on it, but I'm telling you that there are whole denominations who have caved in to this agenda and are celebrating it, placing seal of approval on it, even ordaining people living in this lifestyle. One worldwide church denomination that I won't name has been willing to lose over 6,000 of their cooperating churches over their acceptance of the homosexual lifestyle and even insisting on ordaining people that live in it. They've been willing to watch 6,000 churches walk and be greatly diminished to stand for this. There's a lot of many influential carriers of the Jezebel spirit out there, uh, whole denominations. The Jezebel spirit got a hold of that denomination. Because what does she teach? Sexual immorality and mixing other faiths with the Christian faith. 
One very well-known female blogger, who I won't name because I don't want to give her any limelight. She's a New York Times best-selling Christian, I use air quotes here, author, has thoroughly departed from sound theology and walks in the spirit of Jezebel. She has come out loud and proud on behalf of homosexuality, claiming it's just another form of love. In her latest book that just hit the shelves, she spends a good bit of time blasting the church, downplaying the clarity of scripture, dissing the necessity of obedience to Jesus' teachings. Yet her influence over Christian women is so vast that one women's ministry leader wrote this to church leaders nationwide. Quote, and this gave me the heebie-jeebies when I read it, but I'm gonna read it to you. The most influential women's leader at your church may be someone who has never stepped inside its sanctuary. It may be someone your pastor has never even heard of. She then heartily recommends this false teacher to church leadership by saying this. She sent this out to church leaders nationwide. It's time to be more directly invested in the spiritual nurture of half of your church, meaning it's time to bring this woman to speak to your women. Everybody's like, nah. No, but, but that's how pervasive her influence is. Tens of thousands. There, there's over half a million women that follow her blog. So here's the thing. Listen carefully. I want you to catch this. Whenever you see the teaching or the quiet acceptance of sexual immorality in church circles or the infiltration of other religions like New Age into the Christian faith, or, here's a biggie, the redefining of Scripture's clear teaching on morality under the guise of special revelation given to some self-proclaimed prophet or charismatic leader, or finally, high-level divisive manipulation in order to gain and maintain inappropriate power you're looking at the spirit of Jezebel at work. The bottom line is that Jesus is informing the church, particularly the leadership at Thyatira, that the influence of Je Jezebel must be stopped immediately. He's telling them, you better deal with this and you better deal with it now or I'm about to come and pay a visit. The leadership at Thyatira, I'm picturing these guys, it's, it's men, it's elders, and, and apparently they've been intimidated by this woman. That's what Jezebel can do. She intimidates and had put too much stock, they had put too much stock in her personal claim of being a prophet with authority from God. Uh, and on top of that, their discernment was DOA. They failed to see, she called her teachings the deep things of God. That's what she called them, the deep things of God. Oh, if you wanna come here, the deep things of God, come to this meeting, come to this revival, come to this uh, series of messages brought by this incredible prophet. Anytime I hear that somebody's going to come teach the deep things of God, a big flag goes up in me. Because here's what Jesus said about the deep things of God she claimed to be teaching. He said, in, in actuality, they are the deep things of Satan. So Jesus is saying to them, wake up and deal with this quickly. 
Apparently, by the time of Jesus appearing to John and giving him this word for Thyatira, uh, she's already been given opportunity to repent. Verse 21, I gave her time to repent. I gave her time to repent. I gave her time. But she doesn't want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her. Listen to this. I didn't write this. Therefore, I, Jesus, will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. Everybody say, oh boy. Or yikes. I'd rather deal with it myself rather than have Jesus show up and do it. <laughs> right? So he said, I gave her time. She didn't take the time. So here's some real quick nuggets that we can glean from Thyatira. First, the Lord sees everything. Amen? Lord sees everything. Everybody with me? You see, it's, it's the lie of the devil, but the Lord's not going to see me do this. The Lord sees everything, good and bad. We, and, and one of the reasons this story is in the book of Revelation is to teach you and me something that is quickly fading away in America. Well, really, actually, it's gone in America. The fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. When was the last time you heard a message on the fear of the Lord? Yeah, you got to think a while, don't you? God sees everything, the good and the bad. And that's why we have the fear of the Lord, because he, he sees everything. Hebrews says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable and will give an account of our life. Now that verse right there should give you the fear of the Lord. In case it didn't, I got one more. Proverbs 15, 3, the Lord is watching everywhere and keeps his eye on the evil and the good. I couldn't look at what God looks at every day. I don't know how God looks at what God looks at every day. If I was God, I'd wrap this whole thing up before church was over. But I'm not God. But, but I want you to notice, he sees everything. Now, I know what you're thinking. The fear of the Lord, that doesn't sound... Let me tell you what the fear of the Lord is. Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean we are to be constantly afraid of God. Filled with terror, filled with dread, like, like you would be if you saw a tornado coming towards your house or some terrible storm was shaking the foundations of your dwelling. Uh, that's... that's Phobos, that's dread, tormenting fear. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means simply this. You have a deep respect and awe for God's power and God's authority. See, I mean, I feared my dad. I didn't have a dread phobia of my dad, but I was in reverence and awe of my dad. And I knew if I did something wrong, my dad could whoop me, right? But that wasn't the only thing. I had reverence for him. There was respect for him. He's my dad. But if you have that towards your earthly dad, what about heavenly father? So the fear of the Lord is an attitude of reverence and wonder. Reverence and wonder. I revere him. And anything attached to him, anything from him, I revere it. I respect it. And that's being lost in our culture. When you lose your fear of the Lord, the ultimate authority, you lose your respect for all authority. So as we, that's why you got to teach your kids respect for dad and teach them reverence and the fear of the Lord. Because if they lose that, they're not going to respect teachers, police, nobody. Vertical fear of the Lord brings horizontal respect for authority on earth. 
So as we see Jesus addressing these seven churches with total knowledge of all things, it enhances our respect and reverence and love for him. The second thing I learned from Thyatira, his corrections are always delivered in love. Amen? When, when he says, you're doing this, these things right, now let me show you a couple of things wrong. He always says that in love. Always in love. Jesus watches over the true church like the good shepherd that he is. If he didn't correct us, with things that are going to destroy us, if he doesn't point it out, then he's not a good shepherd and he doesn't walk in love. Uh, hello? I need to say that again. If Jesus doesn't come to our life and say, hey, this in your life, this thing in your life is going to destroy you if you don't deal with it, so I'm telling you to repent from it, he's not doing it to be mean. He's doing it to save your life. He protects he sees the enemy approaching and he points it out. He cares enough to protect us. The Lord said in his high priestly prayer, he's praying to the Father in John 17. And he says, during my time here, I protected my disciples. How'd he do it? By the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost. Everybody say he protects, he guards. He watches over you and me. He sees every wolf that is approaching before it ever arrives. In John's gospel, Jesus said, nobody will snatch my children out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one's going to snatch them out of my father's hand. And then 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. He will protect you. And one of the ways he protects is he corrects. Amen. But always in love and always to get you away from wolves. Last thing I learned, I'm going to close with this. Uh, obedience, we see here, brings great blessing. Listen to what Jesus said to the ones who had not given in to Jezebel's lies. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching Deeper truths, as they call them, but the very depths of Satan, as I call it. He says, watch this now, verse 24, I will ask nothing more of you, verse 25, except that you, everybody say the next two words with me. Well, that was 10 of you, let's try it again. Hold tightly. Hold tightly to what? To what you have until I come. What do you have? You've got salvation through the blood of the Lamb. You've got the Holy Spirit living in your heart. You've got the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. You've got the Word of God, the Holy Bible in your hands. You've got a church full of people that love Jesus. You've got the blessing of God, the calling of God, the sanctification of God, the justification of God, and the promise from God, we're going to see the King. Hold tight to it. Hold tight to it. Now look what he says, verse 26. To all who are victorious and do what? Who obey me to the very end, to the very end, to them I'll give authority over all the nations. Now, I can't go into that and all that that means, but it's in line with one last verse I'm gonna read. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 23, what we all wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In your walk with Jesus, 
Have you ever experienced false teachings? Has your church or fellow believers ever drifted into the ideals of the world? When this happens, what do you do? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you how to maintain your morals and stick to the only truth that matters, God's Word. When you let worldly influences into your spiritual life, you lose your communion with Him. Never forget your place in eternity and stand firm for the gospel. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. If you love the messages you're hearing on Hardwired and you want to hear more like this one, we'd be so happy for you to join us at Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. There, you'll hear more teaching from the Word of God as Pastor Jeff Wickwire teaches through various series. Go to hardwired.org and click on the tab TPC Family to learn more. If you didn't catch that the first time, it's hardwired.org. Here's Daniel as he shares what's ahead. As our world gets worse and worse every day, how do we respond as Christians? When we see our world hurting and evil abounding, we lock our doors and hide? Or are we called to something more? Next time, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that as our world falls apart, you need to maintain a spirit of God's love. Turn and run from the sinful influences of this world, but don't shut out the world completely. Follow God's great commission and preach His word to the world. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Revelation, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.